0: Sri Ramakrishna, The Great Master, Chapter 1, The Need of the Age Thus, a study of history shows that Western civilization is founded on self-love, desire for worldly possessions and absence of faith in religion. Other peoples too, who base their life on these materialistic values, will reap the same fruits as the peoples of the West. An example of this is found in Japan and other, and other oriental countries that have modelled their national life entirely after the West. We find that in spite of all their great virtues like patriotism, they have become subject to the evils of a materialistic civilization. This is the unfortunate result of being inspired by Western ideals, as will become clear also by a study of Indian life after it came in contact with the West. It may be asked if India ever had any national life before it came in contact with the West. The answer is that although it was not there in theory, it did undoubtedly exist in fact. For even in those days, the people of India as a whole venerated the Guru, the Ganga, the Gayatri and the Gita. And Go, the cow evoked the tenderest and most reverential feelings of the people of India everywhere. Ideas from the Ramayana, the Mahabharata and other religious books inspired and guided the life of every man, woman and child and Sanskrit, the language of the gods, was the common medium of expression for the learned. There were many more similar factors of unity and there is no doubt that religious ideas and religious practices constituted the bedrock of that unity. Religion, the basis of the national life of India, has made her civilization unique. The chief characteristic of this civilization is self-control, which regulates both individual and national conduct. Through pleasure, beyond pleasure, is the maxim of every Hindu and the life here in this world is looked upon only as a preparation for the life to come. Reminded of this high ideal at every stage of the individual or national life, a Hindu could not lose sight of it. He is forced, so to say, to keep himself always oriented towards this grand goal. It is for this reason that caste or class system did not for a long time create any conflict of interests. nor lead to discontent in society. For when anyone who could achieve supreme knowledge or liberation by the unselfish performance of his own caste or class duties, irrespective of his birth, high or low, what could possibly be the cause for discontent? Contrary to what happened in Western society, which is based on the right to equal opportunities for enjoyment, there was no dissatisfaction among social groups in ancient Indian society, was based as it was on the equal right and opportunity for all to achieve the highest ideal, namely supreme knowledge or liberation. The changes that have occurred in the national life of India since then as a result of its contact with the West are discussed below. It was natural and inevitable that the occupation of India by the West should bring about many changes in the distribution of the national wealth in the country. But the influence of the West went further. It produced a radical change in the deep-rooted convictions which had guided men and women from time immemorial. As a result, the impression grew that the doctrine, enjoy to renounce, inculcating that the aim of enjoyment is only to renounce it, ultimately was an empty tale invented by self-seeking priests. That the idea of survival after death was but a poet's fancy and that no rule could be more unjust and unreasonable than that a man should be condemned to remain all his life in the stratum of society where he was born. Coming more and more under the spell of the West, India rejected the ideal of renunciation and self-control and began to run after worldly pleasures. This attitude brought with it the decay of the ancient system of education and training, and there arose atheism, love of imitation, and lack of self-confidence. Thus, the nation lost its backbone. People came to believe that their long-cherished beliefs and practices were erroneous, and they felt that perhaps their traditions were crude and semi-civilized, as the West with its wonderful knowledge of science declared them to be. Blinded by the desire for enjoyment, India forgot her ancient culture and glory. The loss of that memory confused her understanding and the national existence itself was at stake. Finding that even for worldly enjoyment she had to depend on others, India was overcome by a sense of frustration. Having thus lost the way both to enjoyment and to liberation and yet being bent on imitating others, the nation was now buffeted by waves of modern materialism and resembled a boat drifting in the high seas without a helmsman. There arose now a clamour on all sides that there never had been a national life in India, that although, thanks to the West, there was at last some sign of it now, There were still many obstacles to its full growth. Deep-rooted religious beliefs were said to have smothered it. Image worship, the adoration of the supreme being in many aspects as gods and goddesses, was also blamed for keeping it submerged so long. Away with idolatry, people shouted, Root it out! Only then will the men and the women of the country have a new life instilled into them. Christianity began to be preached and in imitation of it, the Western brand of monotheism. Prostrate India was made to listen to lectures delivered at public meetings held in the Western manner on politics, sociology, the freedom of women and widow remarriage. But the feeling of frustration and despair instead of lessening only grew stronger. The railways, the telegraph and the other products of Western civilization came into use but these did not mend matters because all such innovations could either touch nor stimulate the ideals on which the life of the land depended. Since the proper remedy was not applied, the disease could not be cured. How could India whose soul was religion be brought to life if her religion was not resuscitated? The influence of the West had brought about its fall. Would it not be futile then to look to the atheistic West for its resurrection? Being itself imperfect, how could the West make another part of the world perfect?